0: This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health. With your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. Today's episode is a MacGuffin with Hank Spaulding. And welcome back, movie nerds, to another episode of The Art House Roadshow. My name is Hank Spaulding, back here with you in studio with my good friend and colleague Luke Harbaugh, who is always here and ready to talk about all things Star Wars with me. So here we are. Uh, we are the week of Harbaugh in terms of the, uh, the Obi-Wan series. We've been kind of recording some Star Wars stuff for a, a month and a half basically now. So yeah, it, it, the eve is upon us. The eve is upon us. So what are you thinking? What are you feeling? How, how are you doing tonight?
1: Uh, I'm going through my regular cycle of Star Wars, which is being super hyped before something comes out. Only hopefully not to be sad later, but you know, I'm I'm yeah. in hype I'm in hype mode. I'm in hype mode, which is a good place to be.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I was telling someone recently that like this one feels different. I mean, I was excited for the Mandalorian because uh, I remember um when the mandalorian came out when they dropped disney plus it was like the main kind of like original content that came out the day of of disney plus that everyone watched um and i was excited for it like i it was different it was new and you know it was kind of cool and so i thought this would be kind of an interesting little show to watch but like this is different i was saying for boba fett you know i was excited for boba fett um but this is different this is this is obi-wan this is the return of hayden uh, christensen and um and ian mcgregor to the role um it's it's everyone's favorite jedi now that uh luke's luke skywalker is uh is a coward uh so um (laughs) which speaking of (laughs)
1: that leads into certain
0: conversations (laughs) this evening today's episode we're gonna talk about the sequels um the sequel trilogy but instead of um because those who are listeners who have been maybe uh watching these star wars uh podcasts or i guess listening to these star wars podcasts uh for a couple weeks now um we've been saying we're going to do the sequels interquels and uh, tv shows separate but um after doing some thinking we decided why don't we just do the disney era all in one and so that way we um we uh we can have some uh very interesting dialogue about the kind of ups and downs of the disney era so first question um luke uh you and i were Living together in Durham, North Carolina, when the news broke that Disney was going to purchase Lucasfilm. What do you remember about like the news around that, the, like how that felt? Kind of like what was, uh, what was kind of some of the stuff that was on your mind?
1: I remember being super, super excited. Um, and and it honestly like surprises me or surprised me that there was. So much backlash initially, like like I th- there was definitely a split right off the bat, right? Like there are people like ah, I can't sell it to Disney. Disney's horrible, which never even crossed my mind. Like I I was just 100 um, percent super hyped because I had been saying for multiple years I was like, think about how much potential there is with Star Wars if you treated it like Marvel, right? So we saw right. how successful Marvel had been and what they were doing, and I'm like, ah, it feels like Star Wars is just sitting there not doing anything, right? It had been eight years, seven years since, since Revenge of the Sith. And, um, right. you know, it felt like there was just so, aside from the Clone Wars and that kind of thing, but I'm thinking right. like big features, live action stuff, like it kind of just seemed dormant in that sense. Mm-hmm. So when Disney bought them up and, you know, and immediately announced, hey, we're doing an episode seven, we're bringing everybody back, like that was just, just, yeah, blew my mind, was super, super hyped for that.
0: Yeah, I think we were actually sitting together. Um, uh, We were sitting out there at Duke University's Divinity School in the lobby. And one of our friends, uh, shout out to Seth Cotton, if he listens to this. Seth Cotton. He came around the corner and he he looked, he he pointed at Luke and he said, did you hear that they're going to make a new live action movie and they're bringing back the cast? And you said, no, because we had just been talking about that. Like, were they going to make a new movie and bring back the old cast? And that was kind of the confirmation of it um and that like the the exciting thing about it too is that like when they announced they kind of put all of these things out there i mean there was more star wars news like within the span of a year or so than there had been um for years before that so they announced the the theme park expansions the um uh the movies that they were going to do the, all the stuff that they had on 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 their plate and everything and it was really exciting and i think that you're right to point out that I don't think that this happens without the massive amount of money that Marvel or that Marvel made Disney, because um, that was right on the tail end of Joss Whedon's um, Avengers movie, which I, we saw together in theaters um, pretty close to when it came out. Um, and that one, I think, was one of the first at least one of the first ones I remember of the Marvel movies that, you know, made them like two billion dollars um and so yeah that model was something they they worked they probably used some of that money to actually buy the <laughs> to buy lucasfilm and things like that but yeah it was it was pretty crazy it was exciting because you're right there's so much there's so many stories to be told and, and you personally had been um more than me really delved into the extended universe like you've read the novels um not all of them because there's like a million of them <laughs> but but yeah, you you'd done a lot of reading, and and I think the hope was is that they were going to explore some of those stories in the movies, or maybe even uh, George Lucas's um, sequels idea. Um, but yeah, it's it's been kind of an interesting run. Um, but you know, I and maybe this is where we'll transition to just talking about the sequels here for a little bit. But um, some interesting um, developments about what they tried to do with that. Um, and, and things that maybe didn't ultimately work out. You know, I think one of the things I was really excited about, this was also on the tail end of the Star Trek movie uh, series with J.J. Abrams coming out, which I really liked. Um, and, um, yeah, and so now we, he's in charge of Star Wars. All the people are coming back. It's going to be great. Um, so let's just dive into The Force Awakens. Leading up to that, two years, flash forward two years later, um, Force Awakens comes out. Um, And I was hyped for that, Um, just like you're kind of feeling right now and and me, too, for this Obi-Wan series. Uh, What do you remember about kind of like waiting for that new Star Wars movie to happen?
1: Yeah, I I remember, you know, obviously, like we live we live in a different age now than we did. When they were doing the prequels, right? So now there's like just this constant trickle of news. And so I right. remember reading about casting rumors and, you know, people taking guesses that plot. And I remember still like when they released, there's a, there's a picture of everybody when they got together for the table read uh, of the script, you know, and it's like all the old cast together for the first time in forever, along with the new people. And nobody had any idea who Daisy Ridley was or John Boyega or any, you know, those folks were at that point and so i just remember being so super excited to see that picture and just so much intrigue and um you know i i just i kept with it like every step of the way first trailer came out i mean that was massive hype right like the first time the Millennium falcon comes back on the screen at the end of the trailer and um -hmm. yeah i mean you just couldn't you couldn't control it it was it was probably as close as we could get to um the 1999 you know build up to the phantom menace right and And a sense of optimism. I think people were like, some people, some people were not happy with Disney off the bat, but I think a lot of people, um, you know, Lucasfilm was saying all the right things about how they were trying to approach it. And I think there were a lot of people that were like, good, this will, this will maybe get the taste of what was bad about the prequels out of our mouth and put us on a new, new trajectory when it comes to
0: star Wars. Yeah. And I think that's like, you said it perfectly. Like it, there's a lot of, there's a bad taste in people's mouth over the prequels people I mean, I think the kind of the joke had been beaten to death at that point about how bad the prequels were. Um, I think George Lucas was kind of reeling from the negative criticism from episode, like from the prequels. I mean, I the we talked about this in our last podcast the the dialogue <clears throat> the dialogue was just cringe on every level. It didn't really make any sense. It just didn't flow well. I mean, these are not how humans talk to each other kind of thing um it was just kind of um saved by good action and great scores and so here's this film that's going to come along it's going to be directed by a very great director um and it's going to um it's it, like the like you said they're saying all the right things they went back to practical effects instead of the um cgi um you know they were gonna uh uh, I think the language, the language I remember Kathleen Kennedy using, using is like this one is for like fan service, like it's written for the fans. Um, but yeah, so we are sitting out there in, um, in in the freezing cold, standing waiting in line, and, and we watch in. We walk into this movie theater um, in Pennsylvania. And uh, listened and watched the first uh, Star Wars movie in several years. And yeah, so what do you remember about that night? What do you remember about the movie? Like, what are kind of some of the things that come to mind? Because I know that things kind of change pace for both of us as soon as the next one comes out <laughs> in terms of The Last Jedi. But um, I know that there's a, there a lot of um, emotions with that first kind of Star Wars movie, uh, the, the Force Awakens. Yeah. It felt like
1: a fulfillment of the hype. Like it felt like a payoff, you know, that, um, and, and honestly, like, I think some of the hype kind of gave you a little bit of some love goggles for, for what the movie was. And, um, but I remember just coming out super excited, right? Like it was everything, it was everything that I feel like we had missed over those years. It was like just this fast paced, fun, action, adventure, movie um you know a lot of member berries you know a lot of, of, of oh i remember that oh i remember luke's lightsaber oh i remember the million falcon you know those kinds of things but there's some good in that right like it's it's not all bad no um, but coming out like it, it felt like it felt like it had hit the mark at least for me and then of course afterwards like you start to get some of the breakdown and you get some of the um you know the, the problems with it and oh it's a rehash of a new hope and those kinds of things but even so like most of that didn't take take much away from it for me because it, it was something that felt like Star Wars again for the first time in a long time um, that they had kind, yeah. of, kind of hit, they'd hit the environment correctly. They'd, you know, hit some of the the effects, some of the characters I thought had a good foundation um, and it just felt, it felt like a, a Star Wars movie for kind of the next generation. So I was really high on it after we saw
0: it. Yeah. And the, I love the thing. The thing I loved about it was the um, there's that scene where um, uh, Maz uh, Kanata is um, explaining the Force to Rey. Um, and, you know, one of the big sticking points for me about the prequels is that they change kind of like the mythos of the Force mm-hmm. to be more scientific. And, you know, the, in, the, in the original trilogy, it was very much this kind of mysterious energy that binds us and surrounds us and, and brings the galaxy together um and it was returned to that kind of mythos i just remember like sitting in the theater like tears in my eyes hearing that description again um and it being just kind of the fulfillment of what i wanted i mean this is also the site of some of the criticism too because really like if you plot out the force awakens and a new uh, a new hope there's a lot of similarities there um you know there's a, a battle for droids uh that land on a desert planet with a kind of like outlier who then gets kind of drafted into this like intergalactic conflict where they go and they blow up a very circular uh spherical uh space station that has the ability to destroy planets right and so um it has a lot of similarities <laughs> um between the force awakens and things like that so uh, in, in kind of looking through that, I know that was something that turned a lot of people off. I didn't necessarily dislike the fact that it was kind of a, a, a shot, like a kind of shot for shot remake with a new kind of cast and everything of, the, the, of, the, of A New Hope. But um, can you kind of say a little bit about how you're feeling about, about that in terms of the relationship between the two, um, in your opinion? Yeah,
1: I didn't care uh, because at that point I felt like so much had, there was still so much left, right? You're like you still had two movies. And so it's okay, okay, sure. Maybe this is a little bit, you know, of of already tried and true ground. And J.J. Abrams isn't always the most creative with that kind of thing. You can tell from Star Trek II and the whole con thing. You know, that's like right. that. that's that's kind of his, his MO. But also I was like, okay, this is the first out of three movies. There's going to be a lot still to come. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I can see those criticisms. I get why some people, especially people that are maybe like more movie critics rather than Star Wars fans would, would see that and say, this is kind of a retread uh, or a soft reboot, but because there were still two stories left to be told, I, I wasn't bothered. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. And so, and a part of this is like, in, in some sense, this is what the original trilogy was to the um, prequels, you know, and, and, obviously fans of stars know that like the original trilogy came out before the prequels. And so the prequels always just had the gift of like handing it off to the original trilogy. And so it kind of explains how we get to the characters that we have. Now, granted, we'll talk about the interquels here in a second um, that kind of give a little bit more of how we get into the original trilogy. But um, we talked about last time, the hard things that you have to hand off now from the original trilogies that you're beloved and they ended, you know, despite what you think about Return of the Jedi, I think on a really positive note, characters have gone through some serious growth. Um, I mean, Han Solo, probably the most growth, if, if not Luke Skywalker, and kind of growing from this very kind of unsure or um, kind of like a desert planet dweller to a, a master Jedi. Um, but, you know, Han Solo becoming this kind of con man going into... Uh, being a general. um, But so now we're left with these three, the main three characters, Luke, Leia and Han coming into the new trilogy. And they're all in very different places than where we left them. Um, Disney decided to, you know, completely um, annex the extended universe and say like, okay, so this is no longer canon like it was uh, originally. And we're going to do something different with these characters. Um, And so this is our first chance to see what is the um, what is what's happened to our beloved characters. And the first thing we see is that Luke Skywalker has disappeared. He's absent really from Force Awakens. But we do get to see Luke and Leia, Han and Leia, sorry. And these are these are the points that I think is where now looking at the trilogy as a whole is where the weakness kind of starts to emerge for the sequels for me. They kind of devolve the growth that happened in the trilogy and our characters are kind of back to square one. Um, do you, do you have uh, any like thoughts on that kind of like transition between episode six uh, where we left everyone happy, healthy, and, and well, and then to episode seven where now everyone is very different places.
1: Yeah. I think that's what you end up. What or what I missed right off the bat was it felt like the force awakens was a great foundation or a great start for like what could be a really interesting trilogy when in fact it was actually not a very good foundation because it just it just like you said it kind of hit the reset button on so much it was reset like hey guess what we're back to empire and rebels and it's like wait how's that happen you know like what what led to that right that that you've got kind of this we've got stormtroopers again you've got storm uh, star destroyers again you've got this little group of rebels uh, and then yeah you kind of reset the characters luke is absent which is a shame um, but han and leia especially like leia is still leading this little plucky brigade of of rebels han's back to smuggling and it just doesn't feel yeah, in retrospect, it just doesn't feel right for those characters, and especially in comparison to, like you had mentioned that I, you know, read a bunch of the Expanded Universe books, and you see their their progression, anybody that's read, read them, you know, from, from Rebels to Leia becomes a, a political leader in the New Republic, you know, and, and Han kind of stays a little like half smuggler, half military guy, but he's like, he's involved, you know, in the military and that kind of thing. And then they become parents. And then like, you see this continual evolution, whereas J.J. Ravens just kind of like slid them right back to where they were at the beginning of A New Hope. And not even together, that's the other part, right? It's like, they're not even, they're not married. They're not like together, even though that's where they ended up in Return of the Jedi. They're like kind of back to estranged and back to on different pages. And um, it, was, it was not the right start for those characters unfortunately
0: yeah and i mean obviously this is a part of this is just like preference in star wars fandom but like you know so much of the original trilogy was kind of bringing those three together i mean Mm -hmm. that was the strength of it and i understand that they wanted to focus on a new set of a new set of like heroes but at the same time they kept those heroes apart too um, for most of the movie. I mean, Poe Dameron doesn't really even become like a central figure of the movie until Rise of Skywalker. Um, like he's he's there, he's a pilot, he's great, but he doesn't really interact with the other two like on any kind of serious level until we get to the third one when he's kind of like a, a major voice. And so um, but like the I mean the major sin is that we never really got the three of them together like in a scene um and i mean it's even it's i think it's even compounded by the fact that you know the kick in the gut at the end of this film which i mean i think at the time i was willing to accept i was still sad about but the 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 thing that was kind of the kick in the gut was the death of han solo um and then i think the thing that was the real just real demoralizing thing is after they finished filming the last jedi or at least by the time they're pretty much done with that um uh, Carrie Fisher passed away um, and so it just made it just made it I think a little bit worse that she she died before they really could reunite those characters in a real meaningful way um, and so I you know that was the thing and it and I think this they they kind of like shot themselves in the foot and didn't correct because I think they could have corrected this by like making Leia be the one that survives all the way to the end of the trilogy and then dying by just i mean and they just made the they made the rise of skywalker seem really they did like they really set themselves as a disadvantage because now they had to kind of come up with footage with carrie fisher and i mean that movie is just a train wreck uh in terms of story and plot and characters and it's just it's terrible but i mean it's it's building like on a bad foundation like you said um in terms of these kind of films and uh, with all the merits of like the, like how it looked kind of aesthetically um, there are these situations the, there are these facts that like the, the growth was not um, like, they devolved that growth. They didn't really bring them together. The original, like the new characters that they introduced didn't really get the kind of attention that they needed. Um, like Finn, for example, <laughs> he didn't really get the attention that he needed kind of as a character um, same with Poe I mean they put a lot of attention on Ray, but even like with her like they didn't really do her any favors in terms of how they presented her um, in those trilogies and so um, yeah it's it's one of those things that like I loved The Force Awakens when it first came out but after the next two I just it soured on it um, it's I soured on it because of I know where they're going with this now <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, any kind of final thoughts on the force awakens, um, in your opinion? Yeah.
1: I think what you said about the big three is, is really true. I mean, they, they had set up at least in people's minds, if not intentionally this idea that, you know, Daisy Desi- Ridley, John Boyega and, um, uh, Poe Dameron, uh, Oscar Isaac was going to be the the new Luke Conway, right. They were going to be the next big three, right. But they, they never gave them a chance to be that. You know, um, I mean, Luke Han and Leia are together in Episode Four, like probably what forty minutes into the movie, maybe maybe an hour, something like that. Right. And and they kind of ride the whole Death Star thing out, and you see them together multiple times throughout the the other two movies, and it's just mm-hmm. like they never had that kind of connection that was they were supposed to be the core they were supposed to be the heart of the new trilogy and they never had a chance to be that and then they tried to make kylo ren that in his connection with ray but again they had to manufacture that right like there right. was there was no natural connection there was no family connection there was no friendship connection they, they weren't both like for instance you know students of the jedi academy before it fell you know like there there was nothing there tying them together other than they're two attractive people. So they should have some kind of pseudo romance that ends up really awkward and weird. Right. Like that was the only thing that actually kind of bound them together. So um hey, it's just bad, man. It's just so frustrating. It's just there, there's just a lot of lost potential. And you kind of it really boggles the mind as to how you could take something packed with so much potential that really just should be a layup. Yeah. Um and just kind of follow a follow over yourself and, and do what they did.
0: Yeah. I mean, and the thing that you kind of bring up that I think is really helpful is the fact that um I, I think that the way you said it is just so perfect. The fact that like that romance between Kylo uh Reylo, as it is, I think, called now, Kylo ren and, and Ray, like it's it doesn't make any sense um because it kind of comes out of nowhere. And, like, there was nothing in The in the Force Awakens that led you to think this is where they're going with this. Um, and when Ryan Johnson kind of took over, um, they kind of forced that in there. Um, and to be fair, and this is something that I, I think is... I, I still believe, like, there's some interesting potential for how they were going to re-narrate the Force wielders, the dark versus the light, right? Um, because the... Um, they like the kind of the the thing that they're setting up, and and you're the one who's kind of pointed this out to me, in in the last Jedi was okay. There's not going to be a dark side to light side Jedi and Sith. There's going to be something else, and and at the end of the movie, they just kind of collapse back into those categories, right? And so structurally, the movie doesn't really doesn't really do what it what it's claiming to do, um, and you know, like they fumble in this movie by. Uh, by adding a bunch of like by not really giving enough attention to any one of the plot points that they were trying to do. So like you have the kind of strange movement from a Finn going to the, you know, the casino planet, whatever. Right. Um, which is new and interesting. You don't really see that. Um, but they don't really spend enough time there. And, and, you know, they have the um, uh, like the new character, the kind of like the master thief or whatever, um who yeah that's right and so like you know but they don't really again they don't really do enough with that to really like give you a payoff with that uh poe dameron and his kind of like insurrection thing still didn't make sense to me to this day and then ray and kylo ren's kind of like pseudo romance like you said and you know killing off of, of um sorry uh killing off of uh uh, Snow a Snoke so early with that payoff and things like that. Um, um so yeah, like, uh, well, talk to me kind of a little bit about, like, okay, let's just dive into the last Jedi. What went wrong there?
1: <laughs> oh, so many things. I feel like, I mean, it's, it, the central thing is the treatment of Luke Skywalker. Um, I think that's the just the biggest one that jumps out to so many yeah. people. Um, right, especially after the setup of the force awakens, um, because there was supposed to, there the force awakens was like a big breath in, right? Like a big inhale. Uh, and finally at the end of the movie, you see, them, and you're like, what's going to happen in the next one and you wait two right. whole years and you come out and it's just such a colossal disappointment. And I, and I understand, like, I get why Ryan R- Johnson did what he did because he was trying to give people something different than what they expected. Um, but it just was not the right time. It was right. just not the right choice, right? Um, you don't take that character after that many years and pull the rug out from under people. Like, it's just you have to be, you have to be so so perfect at it in order for it to work. And I think Ryan Johnson thinks he's perfect at it. Like, I think he thinks he's that kind of filmmaker. But being director and writer and having like a like essentially a year to do it. Um and trying to pull it off it just it just was the wrong choice Um, and I think I th- really think that's probably the I think even people that like The Last Jedi so you've got the you got these kind of extremes right you've got an extreme group that is like The Last Jedi is like up there with Citizen Kane is one of the best movies like in the history of cinema you can't talk to those people I think I think even people who are like yeah I like The Last Jedi would admit that that the execution of what they did with luke was not as good as it could have been um, yeah and then of course you've got a big swath of the fan base that think like like you and i just think it was totally wrong um yeah. just a totally wrong choice so i mean i think everything just kind of hinges around that and i truly believe that if they stuck the landing with luke like if they would have figured it out um if they would have ended it differently had he not died at the end like i think that the last jedi would be remembered differently or that that fans like you and i would have treated it very differently but i think the inability to really complete his redemption arc in that that he doesn't actually show up at the end and then to just kind of arbitrarily kill him because he tried too hard um those two things combined was just like the nail in the coffin like that was just it
0: yeah and I mean, the thing that's really funny about it is that, like, he force casts himself across the galaxy, like, like, conceivably because he can't get there because his ship's underwater, but then the next one, they just pull it out and it works fine, you know, and so it's like, if, if he could have done that all along, why didn't he just go? Um, like, again, it doesn't make any sense, and I mean, the challenge, and we've talked about this many times, and one of my central... Criticisms is that it like the fall of Luke Skywalker doesn't make any sense. He's this guy filled with optimism, but at the first chance of like pessimism with Ray, not Ray, sorry, Kylo or Ben at that time, I guess. He's like, so like all the stuff he goes through, this is now a meme to like save Darth Vader, you know, refusing to strike him down, seeing the good in him, all that kind of good stuff. And then Ben, a Padawan learner, has a bad dream, and Luke is ready to kill him, right? And so from that, he then just becomes a very toxic Jedi, hates the whole tradition, moves out to the middle of nowhere, and lets the Jedi Order die, right? That's his plan. It just doesn't make any sense based on who he was as a character. And like you said, if they could have like if you're going to do that, not saying that's impossible to make this kind of like negative turn with Luke Skywalker, but they just didn't execute it well. Um, It didn't make any sense kind of within the context of the story. Um, And really like it's, and I mean, you have the other, the other thing that I've I've said from the beginning, it's like, you have somebody like Obi-Wan who experienced far worse than Luke did. I mean, obviously it's not, and this is not to minimize at all what Luke, what Luke went through, seeing um, his nephew wipe out the little Jedi that he had created or like trained so far, um, but uh, you know, it's it's looking at kind of that that whole idea next to what Obi Wan went through, where not only did his his Padawan fall, but he wiped out the entire Jedi Order, um, yet. The response of the two and now we're kind of getting a clearer picture of this with obi-wan um like obi-wan is out there kind of in hope it seems like um like in uh the trailer the the trailer that the second trailer that drops you know he's he's actually um talking to owen and saying no the boy must be trained um and then when we get to a new hope he's he's willing to get back into the fight when he's asked to you know and and here's Luke Skywalker, who has a fraction of that, uh, not willing to get back into the fight, kind of willing to like train Ray, but um, not really. And so it doesn't really fit within any kind of understanding of who his character was and is um, within the context of who, who he was. And it's the biggest departure from kind of like a traditional kind of Star Wars feel to something else. But it's also kind of, I think, the biggest miss, right? And so many things that they build up to be important, like like Snoke, right? And it gets even worse, I think, when you when you get to Rise of Skywalker, the fact that he probably was just a clone. Um, but you know, they they don't pay off that storyline. Uh, they kill off, um, oh my goodness, why am I forgetting her name? Uh, Phasma, again, like I mean, another Boba Fett like situation where. Uh, this is going on and they don't really build into those character storylines. And so it's just a fascinating kind of um, like tech, like it's, it's a classic example of just like completely swinging a miss in terms of a story because it just doesn't make sense internally. And that's the thing that I've tried to argue with people who think the last Jedi is just amazing, but the story just doesn't make sense to me in terms of like the continuities, uh, even just like internally, if you look at the one story that is the last Jedi it doesn't make sense in itself with what they're trying to build to and what they ultimately just kind of reject. But Yeah. And I think, I think like the first half of the last
1: Jedi is decent. And I think some of the, I think some of the, the choices that they made could have been resolved differently, even with like, I think the, I just think the whole idea of Luke Skywalker as he is, is, is a misstep. But even so, like you kind of take the characters at their halfway point. Like, like Luke is still dejected. He's upset. Um, he's not getting along with Ray. Ray's not sure what to do. You know, Finn and Rose are, are headed to this casino planet. Something we've never really seen before. That seems kind of like an interesting idea. Um, you know, we've got the, the people on the run with Leia and, and Poe, like, it, you've got people in an interesting spot with a lot of unanswered questions. And then, you know, Snoke gets killed off, which initially I liked, like it felt kind of very Game of Thronesy, right? Where like these characters that you're like, oh, surely this guy's going to be on here for eight seasons and he's dead in like three episodes later. Like that to me was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do here. But they, the whole thing just ends like a big wet fart, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like where they go with that, how they redeem Luke, what they do ultimately with Holdo, um you know how they kind of leave the rebellion that's insane to me i mean there's like 12 of them left at the end yeah. of the last night and at the beginning of the next one they're like back to where they were um you know none of those things resolved correctly in my mind so like the first half in the writers room i'm like yeah okay let's do this second half i'm like where you? did you guys just forget what you were doing like did you write this in a night <laughs> you know as this or did you have to shoot the day of, and you woke up at six AM to write this? Like it just doesn't seem to doesn't seem to work.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the thing that's like, I think you're right. The idea that um, the 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 thing. I mean, even with like Snoke, right? It. I think even it is like overall still Game of Thrones, e in, and in, and in, but in a bad sense, like in the Night King. I think. <laughs> the Night King. Like, kind of like, like there is all this buildup who is this character um and they make it seem like he's very important and then gone right in that sense and i think it would have been better i could have lived with snoke a little bit more if they didn't be like this is actually a clone and it's palpatine um like that's the one that i was just like i like the, the bringing back of palpatine and and forcing kind of that storyline that one for me just was I, I was like, this just doesn't like. Now we're just kind of doing crazy stuff. Right? It's the
1: yeah, it's the final insult, right? So it's like we've we've killed Han. Leia's dead in real life. Luke is dead, d- yeah, dead, and like his character destroyed. And oh, by the way, all that stuff Anakin did, like, don't worry about that because Palpatine's still alive. And it's like, how do you more fully dismantle, other than maybe like saying that you know that Count Dooku. Didn't actually die, but became like a carnival clown, you know. Like yep. he and ja- he and Jar Jar had a a traveling minstrel show across the galaxy after Episode Three. Like, how do you more fully dismantle all the beloved characters from one franchise than you did in those,
0: you know, across the, the episodes eight and nine? Like, it just yeah, it kills me, man. It kills me. Yeah, and it's one of those things that like the Last Jedi came out within roughly six months or so or, or a year um i forget the actual maybe you can look this up but the different like so infinity war came out around the time that the last jedi came out and i forget exactly when this was but um infinity war is the movie that a lot of people juxtapose with um the last jedi um and I mean, the disadvantage that Star Wars has in this kind of category is that they had just had the Force Awakens, and that's it. Um, for Marvel, they had had you know almost two phases worth of movies building up to this moment when Thanos finally showed up. But like that movie, like is supposed to set up Endgame in the same way that this movie, The Last Jedi, is supposed to set up um, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, and the thing, the good comparison I felt like between the two is to say that like both of them are trying to leave you in a place of the that your heroes are vulnerable and um, in a certain sense like they don't really like they but neither like when you look at the the last Jedi versus Infinity War like there's really like you have no idea at the end of Infinity War, war what they're gonna do um, at the end of Last Jedi like it's just, it's kind of just depressing. Like, cause you're right. Like they fit the entire rebellion now fits in the millennium Falcon and that's it. Um, and there's nothing like, there's literally nothing. <laughs> um, uh, Ray has the little force books in the, and the Falcon, she's got a broken lightsaber, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so it just doesn't really, it, it doesn't really fulfill any kind of like story kind of continuity and tell you where you're going um it's just kind of basically like each movie progressively destroys the past movies in more and more strict ways um and i think you're right like i probably could have forgiven it if luke would have shown up you know because now we know he had the potential to um show up and and fight and things like that and it's not even like i mean one of the criticisms that like levied back at like the idea of like luke showing up and I, i can see this as kind of an interesting Idea is that he was trying to do it non-violently which cool i mean the jedi themselves were never really violent people they were always for defense you know and that kind of thing so i don't really see that as like a huge thing of like him showing up and fighting with his lightsabers him kind of like being super violent right i mean the jedi weren't violent people i mean the most violent they were was during the clone wars and even then it wasn't it was kind of like a mild violence <laughs> things like that so um anyway um yeah it just didn't really work out it didn't work out for me but well, the movie is called star wars right that's true <laughs> not star peace right? that's right
1: so it's like okay somebody shows up and so yeah i don't i don't know i don't know what was going through ryan johnson's head i don't know if he was actually thinking like oh this is nonviolent, this is better because i mean he has he has admiral holdo right like spear through literally like 12 star destroyers and kill yeah. every single person on board so it's like meh that's that's reading a little bit more deeply into it than i think he deserves credit for but that's just
0: me well and i think i mean this is the point that really bothers me i think about the like the sequel trilogies like they they either completely disregard the past right continuity or they just invent new things that make no sense that are just like well why didn't they do this before like if you could just head at like an entire fleet of star destroyers um at hyperspeed just break them apart why don't you do that more often um and you know they tried to explain it away and and the rise of skywalker be like, ah, i was a one in a million shot but you know that felt kind of forced in and of itself well,
1: my question is like okay if it was one in a million what if she misses and she just jumps into hyperspace and like comes out who who knows where and she's just, just like all alone you know in this starship and all of her friends are still back there bidding Getting killed, she's, she's just like, wow, ah, shucks. Guess that didn't
0: work. Yeah. Guess I'll uh, go it's...
1: home. I don't know. Like, it only works if it if it
0: works, you know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's and sort of... it's just one of those things that it's just like, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and I mean, and and we talked about this with the 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 original trilogy versus the prequels. The original trilogy was kind of George Lucas having a like his ideas about this universe being funneled through some other people who help kind of like shape it and make it good. The original, the prequel trilogy is just him in control of everything. And it's just a hot mess. Um, but, and I don't know what you think about this, but this is, in some sense, it just doesn't work like in any kind of meaningful way when you completely remove him from the equation, um, which is interesting. Say, go ahead.
1: We talked about this in our prequels talk is like, what makes sense about the prequels is, is thematically it makes sense, right? Like the story he's trying to tell makes sense when you write it down kind of bullet by bullet. And you're like, okay, these, these pieces fit. Now, the execution was not great, um, but, but it makes sense. I think what you don't get in Disney is the opposite of that, where like things don't make sense. There, there is no kind of central theme. Um, there really is no main character. Like Ray is supposed to be that character, but she doesn't have much of an arc. You know, like, the, like, they kind of set up some questions, those questions get answered in episode eight, and then they get re-answered in episode nine. And there's just no, like, sense of real development with her, and it's not Daisy Ridley's fault. It's just not a well-written character. Um, so I think that, like you're saying, when you remove George Lucas from the equation without kind of his, you know, um, perspective, his broad perspective they just didn't do a good job of making making a sense of it thematically and and what we know now obviously is like they took his notes for seven eight nine and just tossed them out the window um yeah. and said we're not we're not going to use those um
0: yeah and i've heard recently and maybe it's you that told me this but his vision for the the sequels and this makes perfect sense actually is that like they have moved past the idea of a galactic empire because that ended in the in the original trilogy and now it's kind of Luke Han and Leia helping a new generation kind of fight criminal activity across the galaxy like they kind of it's not the empire but like the remnants and in a certain sense it feels a lot like what we see in the Mandalorian where they are kind of like um bigger generals or admirals who have like a fleet of star destroyers who have decided to kind of break off on their own um like you know the the stormtroopers are kind of disheveled right there and things like that. And it, it's, it's not like as buttoned up as the empire was, but it's, it's recognizable. And it's just kind of local crime Lords and things like that. That's something I really liked about the Mandalorian is that they kind of showed like, okay, this is the, this is the empire in shambles, but it's still a threat um, and stuff like that. And so uh, that was kind of his plan, which is kind of cool because it, it actually ta- it goes back to kind of the thoughts for the prequel. It's kind of more, galactic in the sense of like we're gonna go to all these places and have these small skirmishes and things like that and um i I would have liked to have seen that but um you know at the same time and i this is something i don't get like marvel had turned a corner during the period of the release of the star wars trilogy of the star wars trilogy which is that the the movies that did poorly right something like thor the dark world um specifically they were overproduced by disney corporate and this was kind of one of the reasons why kevin feige was planning on leaving is that he didn't want like he didn't feel like that was the way to go creatively whatever and finally they just they were just like okay you just do it and he gave a lot of freedom to a lot of directors so like the the kind of the transition we get between uh, thor the dark world and thor ragnarok for example where directors are now given more creative freedom. The Russo brothers, I think, were kind of the first ones that were given this kind of creative freedom. When directors were given this creative freedom to do what they needed to do, um, it turned out well. But the rise of Skywalker just became super overproduced. Like, J.J. Abrams, I think, has gone on record a few times talking about how, like, frustrating and demoralizing it was to work Mm -hmm. on The Last Jedi because it was super... There was a heavy hand in it from the Disney corporate... Um, And it's just like I said, it just it doesn't make sense why it can succeed on one side of their creative product and just so utterly fail on the other, um, which is really interesting. But Yeah. So, yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Any final thoughts there on Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't think there's a whole lot to say with that. I mean, I. I had higher hopes going into it than what we ended up getting. You know, I think there are ways that they could have retconned a little bit of the last Jedi. That would have, that maybe would have worked a little bit.
0: They retconned so much already. They
1: did. I know. And, um, but uh, yeah, it just, boy, that movie is, is a wreck. And, you know, they, they brought in like the guy who wrote Batman v Superman, you know, to, to be like a script doctor for it. And it's just like, how does that guy keep getting work? And yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I've, I've only seen, I've only seen the rise of Skywalker once. So I saw, I saw the rise of Skywalker once I saw the last Jedi twice. And then I saw the force Awakens some, you know, unknown number of several dozen times between the time it came out and the time the last Jedi came out. So you can see like how little (laughs) I have interest in that trilogy, but the time that you and I saw it in the theater is the only time I've ever seen the rise of Skywalker.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it is pretty bad because like they, they decide they're going to retcon certain things, but not others. You know, like there's that idea that this is after end game where they're going to have that portal scene where all the force ghosts show up. They actually shot it and then just didn't use it. Um, and then you have the voice scene. And, and like, I mean the Palpatine thing was just so forced, so forced, so out of left field. They retconned her lineage, and making her a Palpatine, which didn't hit, I think like the way they thought it would. I mean the cool thing the thing I did like about the last about about the uh, Rise of Skywalker is that you kind of see like her powers um like she's she's developed into a pretty like powerful fighter um and things like that like I I liked kind of some of the stuff that they did with the Falcon with like the the uh hyper hyperdrive jumping like that that opening scene where Poe is driving the Falcon is pretty awesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he's such a great pilot right and i liked more of poe i thought he was cool like from the from the jump i thought poe was funny um and i think one of the great faults of that you know you had um all kinds of different like things that he was doing that made no sense and really he's just this excellent pilot who's a really um helpful thing i the thing i do like and I'll, i'll end on this note my favorite line in all of Star Wars, I think, comes in The Last Jedi when Luke basically tells Rey, like he has to, I, again, they retcon the fact that he was wrong in The Last Jedi, but they won't do anything to like bring him back, even though technically resurrection is the thing in Star Wars universe, which is really weird and theological that we probably won't get into. But like he tells Rey, he's like, you know, confronting fear is the path, is the destiny of the Jedi. I think that's such a, a great summary of what Star Wars is in terms of those like characters. Like it should be about confronting fear, and that's the destiny of the Jedi. And so yeah. Here's, anyway,
1: here's what I want you to do, Hank. Yes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to cast your mind back to 1983. Yes. And the opening scene of Return of the Jedi, uh, when the Emperor well, not the opening scene, but several scenes in when the Emperor gets gets off the, the shuttle and he's walking down and he's talking to Darth Vader and you're like, this guy's scary. This, this guy is the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to think over the next 40 years, you are going to have six more Star Wars movies and all kinds of crazy video games and TV shows and media. They're going to bring all those characters back when you are 28 slash 33 years old and everybody else is going to be dead but the one person who's left that guy's granddaughter that's right (laughs) does that does that feel satisfying to you the only person that makes it out is not the Skywalkers it's not an Organa it's not a Solo it's not even a Kenobi it is a Palpatine is who the final movie closes on
0: yeah and it's so that weird. to
1: me is unforgivable
0: yeah and I mean the Kathleen Kennedy this is one of the funny things is that Kathleen Kennedy was recently asked if there is a way to make Ray actually a Kenobi that's all that and she's like oh that would just fly in the face of everything <laughs> then, and I do just like hmm mm. like, that's a there's a lot there in that statement yeah or that lando like i just i'm so depressed when
1: oh lando lando's still alive that's right lando, yeah,
0: was... lando and a palpatine that's better lando and a Pal. it's just i don't know why i'm so depressed at this like the like i'm sitting there like poe is trying to figure out like okay so i'm a general now i need to figure out how to do this and the only person from the original rebellion that's there I mean, they even kill off um, Admiral Akbar, (laughs) right? Like nobody is safe, Um, and uh, you know, it's just him and poor Chewie. Like they gave him unnecessary trauma, um, (laughs) killing off literally all of his friends, Um, and now he's with—I mean, he's with Lando, I guess. But anyway, so in some sense, like maybe, maybe that. Like I think they probably thought this is a good transition into the Interquels, and. tv shows but you know i think they honestly thought that han solo movie would do a lot better than it did and i don't think it's a bad movie i think the interquals are the best disney movies in terms of star wars that they have done um and i think the only reason why han solo didn't do better or solo didn't do better is that um people were just jaded after the last jedi um they 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 put it out during the summer too and like they i think the christmas thing really worked for them um for all their other movies and they kind of broke with that formula and yeah they killed that trilogy off and things like that but yeah it's just it is it is an interesting thing um to look at and i mean that's the thing that is so interesting about like i think the lesson learned is that maybe what they should have done is focused more on stories outside of like and maybe maybe i'm wrong about that because solo was t- definitely a part of the the original trilogy but yeah so with the interquels like um rogue one i especially like is like this really interesting story i mean jane erso is everything that jane erso oh my gosh <laughs> jane erso is she's a she is everything that ray should have been in terms of her kind of like and i mean they just that actress just killed it, right? And the other strength is that the Interquals or the, the Disney era has been defined by droids that have more personality than their human counterparts. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's true for the, the, the sequel trilogy too with like BB-8 and things like that. But I mean, Solo and um, uh, Rogue One both have droids that are just like filled with personality and kind of like stale. Um, human counterparts. but with the integrals like uh, I, I know that you you were kind of in a weird spot with solo for a while. I don't even think you saw it when it came out in theaters because of the last Jedi. Um, but like where are you at kind of with the integrals at this point? Yeah,
1: solo I didn't see for quite a while. Um, I think it'd been at least gosh, probably about a year. I think I saw it before the last Jedi um, <laughs> or before uh, the Rise of Skywalker rather but uh, yeah. You know, uh, Solo. I think Solo did poorly because of because of the Last Jedi, because nobody really wanted that story in the first place. Um, Yeah. You know, I think it was one that most people went like, "Really? Of everything you could do, you're doing that? That's strange." Especially because Harrison Ford's depiction of Han Solo is so unique, right, and so like iconic that it's hard, I think, to replicate that in any kind of way. So I think people were just skeptical of it. And then, of course, all the stuff came out about behind the scenes issues and change of directors. And, you know, I think everybody just their, their excitement for it was, was kind of killed. So it doesn't surprise me. I mean, and there's another question, like, how do you lose money with a Star Wars movie? Yeah. But um, you know, those, those two films, um, you know, with Rogue One and Solo, Rogue One, I really, I really liked, Um, thought it was a nice, Uh, a a different, a different kind of movie, you know, you don't have Jedi in it at all, except for Vader, you know, at the end um, doing Jedi things, there's, there's still the the force is kind of there in the background, um, you know, with the two guardians, but uh, overall, it's just a different kind of of star Wars movie. That's, you know, much more about kind of military, uh, you know, operations. I still, am I'm a little bit of a believer that that also was not necessarily a story that needed to be told. Um, And, but it was good and and how it was told the only thing that doesn't work for me is kind of how it's tied to the beginning of episode four. Um, Because, you know, episode four is Leia, you know, on the, the blockade runner. And she's like, we're, we're just diplomats. We're totally innocent, which is completely unbelievable considering they were just at the battle of Scarif and Darth Vader literally saw them take off. Like I think there was probably a way they could have done that differently. Um, so that it's at least a little bit believable that they are just a, a diplomatic ship. Um, but aside from that, like kind of one little continuity piece, I think they did a nice job of telling a unique story that, like, that was entertaining, that shed some light on something from the originals.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, there was like a line in the scroll and like the scroll for um, A New Hope about this. And then they made it into a whole movie. And I, I you would, I think you had mentioned this back when we saw it originally. Um, or at least leading up to it, because I think the powerful thing about Rogue One is that it really casts a light on like what the rebellion was like for most people. Like we think of the rebellion through the eyes of like Luke Skywalker, who is this kind of like <laughs> sorcerer, like laser sword wielding, powerful, you know, whatever. Um, and it, for the most part, like people, the people in the rebellion. Right. Because I, I always think of this, too, in terms of the uh like the family guy, Star Wars spoof, um uh where they were talking about like they're talking about like the in the episode, like six version of, of that. I forget what it's called now. So is it something something dark side or whatever? Yeah. Um, and uh, they're talking about like the, the spies that died, getting them the, the plants, the new Death Star. And there's like these guys in the background like, yeah, like a lot of us spies die in these. and Yeah. It's like except for the A team over there. <laughs> And it was, they flashed over that because they never really, you know, suffer the same kind of like uh, activity, like that same kind of threat. But like, for the most part, people who were really essential to the rebellion were just kind of normal people standing up to, and tyranny. And there's that kind of one scene that actually didn't make it in this form into the the movie that really s- like summarized that for me. It was Jen Erso kind of limping because she's injured, carrying a blaster, like walking down to like fight a like a tie fighter right I that was in the trailer like that I just remember that so clearly and then when it came to the movie that's actually not what the scene was but like that kind of like bravery is what it took to stand up to the empire if you're just kind of this normal everyday person and they did the
1: right thing killing everybody at the end um yeah that was that was the right move you know and now of course they're gonna spin off with Cassie and andor and I think I, I actually have some high hopes for that one because of what you just mentioned of, you know, this, yeah. this idea of like, this is what the behind the scenes of the rebellion for just regular people looked like. Um, so I'm hoping they, they tell some interesting stories with that, but, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was a nice, it was, it was just something different. It was a nice break. It didn't deal with, you know, the legacy characters nearly at all. Um, which I think was the difference between that and solo Where solo. They were just trying to do too much with, a. Uh, character we knew too well already mm-hmm. um, whereas the having like uh you know it was rogue one was branded a star wars story and it was the first one of like oh we're gonna get these other things that are kind of tangentially connected to the skywalker saga but not skywalker saga uh, and then solo was the last a star wars story <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. it did not do so well um yeah you know, so i i, I would have liked to have seen more give me more like rogue one and less like solo
0: yeah yeah i agree
1: the thing i'll say about solo that i thought was just such a big mistake with that one is it just it kind of told you everything about han solo that we know about han solo in episode four in like an hour and a half right so it's like this is how he got his gun this is how he got his ship this is how we met Lando. This is how he met Chewy. You know, this is why he has dice on his, you know, um, his rear view mirror, so to speak. Like, this is how he got his blaster. All of those things happen in like an hour and a half. And it's right. like, we didn't, we didn't need to see all that. You know, don't yeah. give us the, don't give us the Kessel run. We don't need this, you know, I don't know. They just tried to do. Yeah.
0: Matches. And there's I'm part of me that me. felt like the Kessel run was a little bit of a letdown.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Like, I don't know, like, that wasn't what I pictured the Kessel Run to be. Yeah. Um, And I think you're right. Like, I, one thing I did, I did like, I think I just have a soft spot in my heart for Woody Harrelson, but I I liked his character a lot. And, like, why kind of, like, Han has kind of trust issues in a certain sense and why he, like, likes to swindle and con people. Um, I mean, granted, he's conning people from the moment you meet him in Solo um, with that weird, like, sun-resistant people that he was a part of but um yeah like I think you're right like there's some mystery there and I my favorite thing is like you can tell like so much of the sequel trilogy they were trying to plant stuff that they thought would work well with Solo like those dice man like the dice is what Luke gives to Leia um also does he transport the dice like I forget um or is he actually how does he hand her the dice if he's not actually there
1: well, they just dis- the dice disappear. Remember? Dice disappear.
0: Okay. Yeah. See, I've I haven't watched. I watched Last Jedi twice, um, myself, and I haven't really watched it since, so I forget. But yeah, like the dice. Um, they, I think they thought that that would be such a huge success, and no one cared. No one cared. <laughs> and and I think that's one of the things about the storytelling that's changed so much is that like, for whatever reason, Star Wars in this in the Disney era for the most part has been about kind of almost like a certain kind of product, like that they're trying to push instead of developing like a story that you're invested in. Like even, I mean, I love the Mandalorian, but so much of that seems to be pushing like the Grogu thing. Like there's Grogu stuff everywhere. Like especially if you go to like Disney world, there's like, there's Grogu stuff, everything. Right. Um, and it seems like they're just trying to like, oh, this is Star Wars and here's something that you can kind of like purchase that is that. But like the story somehow they're like, oh, well, Star Wars will just be Star Wars and it'll always sell. And maybe they're right. But like the like the 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 merchandise, which has always been the moneymaker for Star Wars itself has kind of been privileged over the story in a lot of sense. Um, and that like the solo stuff is just absolutely like, case point number one because those dice um they made a huge deal out of those <laughs> even like the the stupid game that they played um in in uh solo they sell that everywhere thinking and i don't think a lot of people buy it because it's like why would you play this random star wars like poker game <laughs> doesn't make any sense like i i remember at galaxy's edge like the uh, cast members trying to get people to stop doing what they're doing and play this card game in the marketplace, and no one was doing it like because <laughs> like it, it's a hard game to learn. It's really not that big a part of the story. It's just kind of in it and like I think they expected it to do better since it was just kind of a part of it like not, anyway but that's just my two cents um. Yeah, I think we've been kind of negative about it, <laughs> the, the Disney era. <laughs> I, I think we're turning to a place that's going to be a little bit more positive with the TV shows. Mandalorian, I think, did a lot, especially in its second season, for people who are looking for a rekindling of Star Wars. Um, what, what do you think about Mandalorian?
1: I mean, I think your initial thought when was, when you see the Mandalorian is like, "Oh, that's Boba Fett, right?" Like, like how do we yeah. tell a story that's Boba Fett but it's not Boba Fett? But I think they did a really good job of, uh, again, giving us something just this, a little bit different. You know, um, mm-hmm. here, here's what life as bounty hunter look like. That's cool. Some of the Mandalorian lore and stuff, a lot of which came from the Clone Wars, but some of right. that, some of that coming in is cool. Um, you know, the whole whole idea with and grogu like you said he's kind of over manufactured and oversold at this point but also like it's an interesting idea like here's another one yoda species he's force sensitive like what does the empire want with him um, or what's left of the empire want with him so like all those things i think worked worked nicely and and were intriguing for people right off the bat um and it's just it's just a really well executed show
0: yeah they have the old uh i love that and you said this too like the ptsd like whenever they had the episode where it seemed like they were stealing grogu in order to do some kind of cloning thing yeah mm-hmm. so i was like are they gonna connect this to snoke and it's still a possibility it's, it, it is. is yeah it is and i just feel like they're like i feel like it's just like they can't help themselves um in a certain sense in that way so i i would not be surprised if that did happen
1: well and um, if you look at this is beyond the the show, obviously. Um, or any of the live action stuff but if you look at the comics so there's been yeah. not specifically with the mandalorian but just comics like there's a darth vader comic for instance that where they've done a lot of work to try to connect like the darth vader era to the sequel trilogy era specifically like some episode nine stuff and it's all bad like there's a whole arc in the darth vader comment about uh ochi of Bestoon, you know who's the that's the ship that they try to find and you know rise of skywalker that has the dagger in it that leads him to the death star like all that stuff and boy is that just a train wreck like they're they're trying to redeem it they're trying to make it work but it's just like guys just leave it because it's yeah you're just just making what was before worse instead of what made instead of making what didn't work better
0: (laughs) yeah in some sense it would be better if they just reshot the sequel trilogy and with whole new ideas and you'll um, never
1: see it but yes
0: no 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 they're, they're too committed to it at this point but and i mean i don't i mean maybe that would be a huge train wreck and make everything 10 times worse um but uh yeah i mean um i i like that i like learning a little bit more about because like you think of like religion and star wars you think about the jedi but here's this other kind of religious order the mandalorian who are actually enemies of the of the jedi that i thought was really cool um different kind of creed and in some sense we talked about this with the um the prequels, like, they probably have the the best antidote to everything that's wrong with the Jedi, um, in ter- especially in terms of that um, idea of attachment, uh, which seems to be the singular downfall of the Jedi um, over the course of their very long and illustrious career is that um, attachments are their downfall and the fact that they don't make any room for it whatsoever. Um, so it's interesting, but... Uh, Boba Fett, I feel like in some sense was a, a little bit of a letdown because it wasn't really a Boba Fett show. It was more of like a, a Mandalorian 2.5 show. Um, and it didn't really cover a lot of the crime. I like a lot of like what we thought his life would be in some sense, it's him trying to overcome the idea of being a bounty hunter. Um, the thing that they, the thing that makes that season interesting is just all of the cameos that you see, like, you know, um, and, I mean, the same with, uh, uh, with The Mandalorian kind of in the second half. There's a lot of really great cameos. Like, I remember thinking that Ahsoka Tano would be the coolest cameo we saw in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we have to talk about this, like, in, in some great detail. That last, the season finale of Episode 2, or season, sorry, the season finale of Season 2 of The Mandalorian, when Luke shows up to save Grogu. Um, that for me was a big kind of like, it's was like, okay, this is, this, this makes sense. This is great. I love this kind of thing. Um, and there's also just a lot of emotional, the emotion that they capture well with the Mandalorian. Like, it's just great storytelling because you know that he has this religious conviction that he can't take his mask off ever. Um, yet he does it at a couple of times to save Grogu, which is in a sense, like, this is why I think that Russell Johnson's piece on like religion in Star Wars is so, helpful like that is a correct embodiment of religious conviction because he knows when to observe it and when to like bend it like to to save or to help or to serve or things like that and you know they capture that emotion so well of him having to say goodbye to grogu but they also just capture everything that you feel as a star wars fan seeing luke save this random group of people um as a jedi master and things like that but i mean what do you think about that that kind of like scene there
1: yeah that was the best i would felt about star wars in years Yeah <laughs> just seeing that and uh i think i mean the internet reaction right was was very much the same i think there's a lot of people that are in that boat um that saw that scene and just felt like this is this is what we wanted out of disney star wars right was to see our See our heroes be heroes. Um, and see, you know, and, and even if they go a different direction somewhere down the line, you know, like we could we could probably swallow that if we got to see our heroes be heroes first, you know, and and kind of relive um what all of our expectations, you know, were coming into that. So that was a that was a great scene, a great episode, a great buildup, right? Like you're that that was really well written, I think. Like you see the power of the dark troopers um, throughout that episode and that like the Mandalorian, who's our hero, who's been kicking butt all season is like no match for them. Um, You know, and then you see them all kind of marching towards the control room. Like if they make it there, they're all dead. And then all of a sudden, like here comes, you know, here comes Luke Skywalker. Like that is such a great, it was such a great buildup, such great tension. Um, And then to see, you know, Luke Skywalker back in action was, was cool at the culmination of that. But again, yeah. right, like what what kind of undercuts that or hurts that is in Disney fashion at the end of the book of Boba Fett, you know, Grogu is no longer with Luke, even though the first whole two seasons of the Mandalorian were about getting Grogu to someone like his kind. You right. know? And and you I think back to your idea about like, oh, we need some
0: merchandising.
1: Like I think The Mandalorian probably I think it's easier to write The Mandalorian if you have him and baby Yoda together yeah um you know and so for th- season three they're gonna be back together because that's what the folks want when in fact like from a story standpoint it makes a lot more sense to actually you know leave them apart
0: i mean that that's the thing too that's really interesting is that like you see him making the same choices same decisions that led to the downfall of the jedi you know like and I mean, in some sense, we're kind of the things that he rebelled against when he became a Jedi. One of the things that, again, I thought was the promise of Last Jedi was that they were going like the Last Jedi was going to be the idea of like we're going to have a new kind of Force wielder that draws from both light and dark, um, just as the original Jedi were, so that there aren't these kind of like harsh dichotomies between Sith and Jedi. And I thought that that was cool, but you know, and here. When when he's training him, like I, it feels like he's he's being overbearing in a certain sense. Like the fact that he makes Grogu make that choice Mm -hmm. right there. You know, you can either have this cool lightsaber or (laughs) you can have the shirt that the Mandalorian made for you. Like if there's anybody like he's got friends, you know. Like Mm -hmm. if there's anyone that has attachments, it's Luke Skywalker, Mm -hmm. and so they kind of force this idea of. of, of this kind of like really difficult choice i mean granted um also there's the, the my favorite thing was that came up was the idea is like how did luke find yoda's lightsaber mm-hmm. like where did he get that like <laughs> um also couldn't you just like made him a different lightsaber like you had a lot of other jedi relics i mean would that be easier but anyway it's it's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff there that i didn't really care for either but you're right in some sense it's the they're bringing them back together. I was hoping that the next season of the Mandalorian was going to be him actually getting more involved in the political side of Mandalore. Hmm. Um, because that seemed to be where they were kind of leading to like, okay, Grogu's safe. I guess I can go work with death watch now. Um, and so, anyway. well, so.
1: Somebody made the pred- prediction that uh, somehow baby Yoda is going to end up with both his chain mail and his lightsaber. And they're like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but he's going to end up with it because they need him to have it, you know. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good, Probably a good prediction.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think we're done with Luke and the Mandalorian yet. Um, which, which will be interesting to see where they go with mm-hmm. it. In some sense, it's like, like that last episode was so successful. I'm just worried that like <laughs> now, now that we've seen Boba Fett and they kind of drove that into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what does it mean? like i feel like they're just gonna kill it <laughs> like kill the <laughs> kill the luke skywalker cameo thing um i am looking forward to sokotano like that's that series i think that'll be great um but yeah so i mean we could talk about this forever but obviously star wars is now heading in a very interesting direction i think we're moving away from the skywalker saga to something else um there's i think like a rumored kevin feige star wars movie coming out uh taika wakiti star wars movie coming out Mm -hmm. um it'll be interesting to see where they go from here they being disney with star wars um and you know i think they realize that they've made a lot of mistakes but at the same time i'm not sure that they've learned from those mistakes
1: i i kind of feel like they keep learning the wrong lessons from them um just for for example if you know kathy kennedy came out this week and said well, we're never going to do a solo kind of movie again because we realize that we can't recast like the classic characters. And it's like, that was the lesson that you learned from that? (laughs) Because there were a lot of other things wrong with that movie beyond Alden Ehrenreich. Like he did fine. Maybe not my first choice for Han Solo, but he did fine. But people have been like pining for um, the Winter Soldier. Gosh, his name escapes me right now. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, to Play Luke Skywalker, and I would love to see that Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan, like I would love to see that happen, and and just see him take a crack at it. And it's like, hey, we've got a live action Luke Skywalker series. That would be awesome. Yeah. But at least the way she's talking, they're like, now nah, we're not going to do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, can you guys just stop making the wrong choices at every turn? <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things. They don't that- love us anymore, Hank. That's the problem. That's what wa- I was watching. Red Letter Media, you know I like the Red Letter Media yeah. guys. Rich Evans, he they were talking about Star Trek and the Star Trek Picard and how basically they hate Star Trek Picard and how Star Trek really isn't for them anymore and he made the he made the observation and I was like that is so good. He said we got dumped. He said as Star Trek fans, they got dumped and Star Trek isn't written for them anymore. And I kind of feel that way with Star Wars, like I kind of feel like they dumped the They dump the 35-year-old guys who still love Star Wars and um, are just kind of doing their own thing regardless of what we think they should do anymore. But
0: Who is it for, in your opinion, then? I think it's
1: for... I think it's for mass market audiences um, that don't dive deeply into the lore and into the plot um, and who just want to see some Star Wars. Um there's a guy that I used to work with, right? Who I had a conversation with about The Last Jedi. Um and he goes, he sees a Star Wars movie once every three years when it comes out. He takes his kids and that's the last and he think, forgets about it the next day, right? And that's how like 95% of people probably watch Star Wars. Um and I was like, here's everything that's wrong with this movie. And he was like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. But whatever, it was cool. And and like, I think that's what they're, I mean, they're trying to make as much money as possible. And so I think that's kind of what they're doing. I think that it's just kind of shallow, um, mm-hmm. basic, like, we're going to have people tune in to watch some lightsabers and blasters. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't all really work together. We're going to, you know, just entertain people for a few hours and yeah, forget about the people who have like an emotional kind of stake in this.
0: Yeah, and it's so fascinating. I I apologize to my audience um, more than anyone <laughs> that I keep bringing this up. But I don't know. I why. apologize.
1: We've just been complaining for an hour and a half.
0: <laughs> yeah. That also. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wanted
1: to be more positive, but it just can't.
0: I yeah. I I mean, it's. I mean, there's a couple things that I want to th- say here, but like, it's just the thing that bothers me the most is that they get Marvel so right. And they learn from their mistakes well, right? The, the thing in Iron Man 2, the mistakes that are in that film don't happen again. Um, the mistakes in Thor The Dark World don't happen really again. And they build really great stories and they go deep into the lore. So I, like, it's not even like Disney somehow is like allergic to being like, oh, if we don't go deep into the lore or we're going to lose the casual fan. Because clearly like the multiverse of madness is not afraid to go deep into the Marvel canon mm-hmm. and try and come up with these like really nuanced stories that come from like, you know, decades and decades and decades of Marvel comics. And it works, it works really well, but I do like, it's so funny. Like you talk about being dumped. Like my, I, one of the first things I said when we started this series of podcasts on star Wars was that my original connection to star Wars goes back to even before I was born. And my parents, you know, not being allowed to see movies like breaking the rules and going to see two movies in theaters, one of which being the first star Wars movie. Um, and I remember it's, it's fascinating. Like they, they saw the the rise of Skywalker and they felt very much like sad. And I was very like different from like our kind of sad, like, you know, what a great way like we're sad because it's like what a missed opportunity these sequel trilogies were, they were sad because it to them it felt like the end of an era that had spanned most of their life I mean they were just married getting started getting started in life, both of them are now heading into retirement. And they see the end of like, they're very much like the person that you described. Like they don't really get in deep into star Wars. They kind of go see the movies when they come out and they don't really watch them ever again. (laughs) Like they don't own them or things like that, but they were very sad. I remember them saying that it felt very much like an ending to them. And a lot of their kind of life has been kind of like finding like the, like stuff ending in their lives. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. part of, I, I forget who said this, but life is kind of like a series of goodbyes. Right. Um, and I felt that too. And in some sense, like the thing that's, and this is meta, but the thing that's always been interesting to me with star Wars is that it's really followed us culturally for such a long time. It's been such a popular thing in the, in the community. Um, and I mean, in especially the U S domestic community, it's just been a cultural icon and, you know, those original characters, I mean, Carrie Fisher, has died i mean um so many of the other kind of side characters have died as well i mean currently harrison ford and uh mark hamill um are still alive and they're kind of a connection back to that past but you know you talk about being dumped and in some sense like when people don't understand how why the star wars universe is so happy all the time i think it's because we're just kind of uncomfortable with these goodbyes that we keep to have to be having to say with these characters um, it doesn't excuse at all, kind of like the mass marketing switch in Star Wars. It's very clearly kind of a money grab now. But at the same time, it's just kind of it's I think it's just kind of sad in that way. I, I was able to kind of appreciate a little bit more a different uh, like interpretation of, of Rise of Skywalker through that lens of the people who were there in the 70s who watched the movie, you know, for the first time. And like, we're just like, this is amazing and now they're just very much kind of in the twilight of, of their lives. And part of that is like saying goodbye to Luke Skywalker, saying goodbye to, to Leia and Han and those characters. And who knows where we're going to go from here. So, well, I
1: think I think the big difference there, or the thing that kind of sets it apart for me is when Disney bought, back to our first conversation tonight, right? When Disney bought Star Wars, it felt like a bit of a rebirth. Right for, for Star Wars and for these characters, and I think the missed opportunity with Han, Luke, and Leia, and obviously you couldn't do it with with you know those three actors and actresses because of their age and that kind of thing, but I think there was a great opportunity to tell really meaningful, interesting stories with them, um, whether it was through those three movies uh, in the sequels, or you know you recast them and you tell interesting stories about there are other exploits over the years but i think with luke skywalker in particular and especially han solo too it was like okay they we get like a rebirth at the end of 2012 and then they're gone by 2017 and we saw han in one movie we saw luke in one movie and that was it whereas compare that to somebody like like let's say captain america right i'm a big captain america fan i have my shirt on as we as we're talking that's right like I was sad to see Captain America go at the end of Endgame, and like, Oh, that, that era is over. But we also got 10 years, we got 10 years and like at least what, six, seven, eight movies, right. That had him in some kind of prominent role with the Avengers. And it was like, this guy, we've seen a lot of them. He's had an arc. He's grown into the, the superhero that he should be. You know, he's part of the big battle at the end with Thanos. And now like, it's over and if that makes sense but we had a decade you know to kind of work through that whereas this felt like oh my gosh they're back and in very short order they're gone again and not only are they gone but it feels like some damage has been done to them and i think that's the big difference of why it's so much harder to say goodbye to them than it is some of these other characters like iron man or America or others
0: yeah i think that's a really really profound point because it's the And in in some sense, this is the, this is the idea that I think drives it. Like you have somebody that said, okay, here's where we find Captain America in 1945. And here's where he's going to be when we leave him. And I, I mean, there's still some debate on whether or not he's actually dead in that universe. He's very old when we see him. And he lived a life with Peggy Carter, which is so beautiful. Like he goes back and gets the life that was taken from him um, and making the selfish choice, you know, Instead of doing what he should, like what you know, his duty as a soldier and things like that. I mean, it was so powerful. But in some sense, they kind of had that. I I don't I don't know that when they made Captain America the first Avenger, they knew that that's where they were going to go. But they had someone all along the way saying, "Here's how he's growing, and here's Mm -hmm. where he were." And finally, the Russo brothers when they took over Captain America, I think they were finally able to kind of like grab grab him and and, and put him into a place where like, this makes a lot of sense. And this is really profound, but I mean, he's still that, that kid that you see in the alley the first time it's like, I can do this all day. <laughs> like, and he says that all the way through the series, it's kind of a running joke. And then there he is, like with Thanos at the end of uh, that, like, and I, it's, it's so believable, right? Like, it makes sense. Like you don't have to tell me why captain America with half of a shield is tightening up his um, (laughs) like armband and he's going to face down all of Thanos' army Mm -hmm. by himself. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to describe that to me because that has been explained. I mean, there's so many, but, and I contrast that with with Luke Skywalker. I don't understand why he ended up where he did. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why at the end of that movie, he decided to stay there. I don't understand why that killed him. (laughs) And, And maybe there are simple answers for that, that I just don't know. Mm-hmm. right but that's part of it and i mean i think you were the one who leaned over to me in end game because i think you were still feeling this um after iron man died right and he said that is how <laughs> you honor that yeah. character yeah right like the guy who started the series and now end game is kind of the last most recent episode at that point um Like that's, that's how you say goodbye to a character. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some of that is like, we just, we didn't really get to say goodbye to these characters in ways that were helpful. Like we lost Han Solo pretty early, um, you know, and that was quick. Um, Carrie Fisher died in real life. And so what we got in the rise of Skywalker was just painfully, obviously not her. Um, And then Luke dies in, in, last jedi and and he's just kind of there in in the rise of skywalker and it's just it's weird you know and so in some sense like movies and this goes into the mental health aspect of the podcast like movies are are helpful narratives to help us like um think through the themes in our lives that help us kind of grow old right and in a certain sense like i'm not sure that star wars did that really well (laughs) um and faithfully and things like that and again i think it's just because like they did so well in other stories that they've told um that it's so sad that that they didn't do better here for some reason but i don't don't know so any other final thoughts as we're kind of wrapping up here
1: i promised i was going to be positive and i wasn't so i feel sad but uh (laughs) (laughs) i was honest thank you for this therapy session
0: yeah and I thought that's the hard thing. I, I I know that the thing that's great about this is that we're not done here. I think that I I think I'm open to being hurt again <laughs> with Obi-Wan. <laughs> uh, a, and I feel like
1: remember. Michael Scott, I'm ready to get hurt again.
0: Right. Exactly like that. And so like, I'm interested to see where they go from here um, because there's a lot of Star Wars in front of us. I think there's more Star Wars ahead of us than there is behind us, which is scary mm-hmm. um, in a lot of sense because like Disney's not done making this stuff. I mean, they've got so much money invested in this. I mean, Star Wars land and stuff, and now they got the hotel that they just opened up, which even though it costs a million dollars, I still want to go just try it. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I'm a glutton for punishment, but um, but yeah, there's a lot more ahead of us with Disney. And so I think that this will be very telling to see, like like with The, the Force Awakens, it seems like there's a lot of right things happening, bringing back Ian McGregor, bringing back hayden christensen too um even as even if he's just just in the the darth vader suit like i feel like it still feels right to have him there um and so i'm I'm very interested to see what they're gonna do um and where we go from here Mm -hmm. but i mean it's a very spiritual thing for me it's a very spiritual thing for you with star wars um and i think that's why it's so personal and I don't intend to be like negative about it. Like I understand that there's a huge portion of the Star Wars fandom that is super toxic. Like the ones who cyberbullied bullied um, the actress that played um, Rose. Rose, yeah. Right, like that, I mean, that's inexcusable. But in some sense, like Star Wars for me has always been kind of a deep connection to my childhood, deep connection to something beyond. It's not even just that. Um, and just a really good story. And I think one of the things that has really hurt me about these last several movies is that they just don't feel like they're telling a good story anymore. Um, and I don't know if it's because I can see the, the desire to make money off of it. instead, Like the mass, like, as you said, mass produced kind of thing. Um, maybe that's why, but at the, it's just all at this. Like it's just noticing that this stuff is kind of like right ahead of us. And this is what they're kind of going with it and that they're not planning on stopping. They're not learning the right lessons. As you said, is a little (laughs) disconcerting, Um, but we're going to see what happens with Obi-Wan. We're going to see what happens and we'll go from there, but any final thoughts? No. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, I'm honestly like, I'm going to keep an
1: eye on what happens next, right? Like I'm going to watch Obi-Wan. I'll watch, you know the leslie headland series acolyte when it comes out like i'll keep watching this stuff to see um and if it totally burns me out maybe there someday will be a day when i don't watch star wars anymore but even with everything that i'm negative on from the last few years like there's still um there's still hope as <laughs> as princess leia says <laughs> that's
0: right that's right yeah rebellions are built on hope
1: that's right exactly
0: um well that about wraps it up then um thanks for joining us for this very long uh, podcast on um the disney era um and our kind of deep dive into why we hate everything um <laughs> but uh well, thank you for joining us um and let us know what you think like maybe you're the biggest uh last jedi apologist that's cool let us know what 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 did we get wrong um i'm sure on the podcast uh, coming up uh where kyle and i talk about beast of no nation i'll ask him kind of his thoughts on it and maybe he'll disagree with us maybe he won't but um, it, it'll be great so uh we got a lot of stuff coming up on the podcast uh we have um just uh, in a few days actually kyle and i are back together to do our long-awaited podcast on beast of no nation um so check that out it's a it's a very dark film and um, I'm excited to see how uh, Kyle and I uh, enter into a conversation about that. Um, after that, uh, Luke and I will be back together here on Friday, late, to do a review of the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and so if you're wanting more Luke Carbaugh, there's more Luke Carbaugh on the way. Um, and so just wait till then. We'll be back together and we'll be, re- we'll be reviewing the entire show right here on the Art House Roadshow. Thanks for joining us and have a great night. See you later, guys. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Roadshow. We'll see you next time.